Welcome to Younger Older. I'm Dave Wager, your host. I'm here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. And today I have the privilege of speaking with Aiden. We've, we've talked before. Aiden is a former Nicolay Bible Institute student. What year were you here as a student? 2020 to 2021. Okay, so you, a couple years ago yes. you were here. And what have you been doing in the meantime? I was an intern here 2021 to 2022, and then I made money 2022 to... Till 2023. now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, good for you. And what do you want to do? What, what, where are you headed? What are you thinking about? That is a great question. I, I, I want to help people. I do know that. I do see that. But that is such a wide variety, and I'm... I'm just, you know, I feel like I'm stumbling in the dark right now. I'm, I'm going in a direction, but I'm not sure the direction is supposed to be well, going. Well, you've in. identified a good thing, though. You, you do like helping people. So, basically, you'll probably end up in the service industry somehow. Yeah, probably. So, it would either be a ministry like camping uh, or, or somehow well, where you're serving people. Yeah. And helping them improve their lives somehow because that's really where your heart's at. I mean, I've watched you this summer, and, and when you come to camp and you're serving people, that's what you do. And that's when you're happiest. So uh, some people are real good at manufacturing products. You know, they're in a, in a factory line and, and they're very satisfied doing that. You're satisfied by serving people and doing things where you can help them be all that they can be. So there's a lot of things there. I mean, you can go into education. You, you can go into public relations. You can go into a lot of things. Christian ministries, various forms uh, yeah. all the way through. There's a, there's a thousand Christian camps across the country that, you know, or more. That, that basically have people that work at them and, and serve those who come, and you get that very well. So how old are you? I am 21. He's 21, and again, I'm in my late 60s, so that's why we get to program younger, older. A little bit of a perspective in life. Um, and uh, I always say I, I'm not smarter than any 21-year-old in this case. I'm just older. So when you're older, you have these experiences you can draw on. And if you draw on them, it makes you sound like you're really smart sometimes, but not really. And that's why we encourage young people to talk to people in different generations in their life because they can learn something. I can learn something from Aiden. He can learn something from me, and together we go forward, hence the Younger Older program. So, you know, you, you say you have a lot of questions in your head about life, and I know you do because uh, you're, you've been a questioning kind of person. Yeah. Um, what do you got? What's going on in that head of yours? What things are you thinking about these days? I heard a saying not too long ago, and I've been stuck on it, where the saying was, it was the idea of, you know, you don't get healed by going to the hospital. You get healed by, you know, meeting and working with your doctor. And that's like the same idea kind of like with faith. You know, you're, you're not, you know, you're not a holy person when you start going to church, but you start trying to be more holy and perfect when you are listening and making that a life decision and choice. And so the question that brings up is like with the LGBTQ community, like should we have, uh, should we have them as members of our church? And then hopefully while they're there at church, they'll realize their mistakes and, you know, realizing, you know, what God has meant for them, you know, and what it should be, you know. Right. Well, membership is different than attending. 
You know, membership means that you have agreed to a certain doctrinal position of the church. So members have certain responsibilities because they're members. So if you're to become a member of my secret club, you know, uh, I would say, okay, if you're over six foot, you can be in my secret club. Well, you're over six foot. I'm over six foot. We got this secret club thing going. So if somebody came and said, I want to be your friend, but I'm five foot three, I'd say, you can be my friend and, and we'll even do stuff with you, but you can't be part of the club because you have to be over six foot to be part of the club. So yeah, everyone might say, well, that's not fair. Well, it is because we're, we're a basketball club. And in basketball, height matters just a little bit. And so since we're trying to have a team that's competitive, we need guys six foot or up to, to actually play. Now, I know you can play if you're under that, but that's our rule. It doesn't mean that over six foot people are nicer or better or anything else. It means we've set the standard for this to be part of our team. And in order for us to compete in the basketball, we, we need to have people at least that tall. Um, it would be like when I played football in college. Um, I could compete. I was a defensive end, but I was about 200 pounds, which is very light for a defensive end. So I got beat up pretty good. In today's world, I could never play that at 200 pounds. So it, it is, you could say, well, they're discriminating or whatever. Maybe so. But in life, we act as if uh, we don't ever discriminate against people. And I, I use that term in, uh, loosely, but this, we do all the time. If I need someone who um, is going to play basketball or soccer or in, in some sport, I usually have some way to identify those who do it well and those who don't and those who aren't gifted. I was never gifted as far as football. I would never be a professional football player. I was too light. I was too slow. You know, there's a lot of I was too in there, you know. And and those who became professional football players, they could run a whole lot faster. They were beefier. They were the whole works. So in a way, I got discriminated against because I didn't have all the qualifications to play professional football. But I really didn't. I have other things in life I could do. Now, when it comes to the church, one of the basic tenets of the church is like Psalm 139, where God knit us together. He made us who we are. He made people male and female. He did that. So if you're going to be a member of my church, you need to believe that. That needs to be a part of what, who you are. And if you don't believe that, I'm not going to say you can't visit us. I'm not going to say you can't sit there and listen to the messages or be a part of, of coming to the church. But you can't be a member. Because in order to be a member, you need to acknowledge some things that we as a church believe in. Otherwise, there's just going to always be strife there and, and anger um, from people because, hey, well, they don't believe like we believe. So you're going to be talking about one subject the whole time. Um, really, I, I, I firmly believe that God made male and female. I think if you go in the Bible, it's very clear that God made us. He made us unique. He made us the way he wants us. Uh, during junior camp, I brought um, a... a a person up here and they they were a pottery maker whatever they're really called yeah i saw that uh, and and he would make make pottery and the, and the bottom line is god told us that that's how he made us psalm 139 he created us in our mother's womb for anyone to say well god you made a mistake that's not healthy that wouldn't fit in theology and it wouldn't fit in a church that i'd be running um so i would say well i would love for you to know god and i would love for you to respond to him However, membership, no, you wouldn't be a member of, of the church. Um, and, and I realize that. I, I think um, 
in some ways, what's happening is people say, well, if you disagree with me, you hate me. Well, how can that be? You can disagree with people and not hate them. You can even set the standard. I, I never felt hated because I couldn't try out for a professional football team. It's not like I went and said, oh, the Green Bay Packers hate me because I'm not what they want. No, I understood something. I understood that this is who I was. I wasn't being hated. It's that I didn't match the criterion for what they were looking for. And churches are all different. But the church, I think, that's based on the Bible would say that God made you. He made you the way you are. And for you to say that you're not that way, I think that would be a, a great error. And, and I would uh, spend time wanting you to, to read the Bible yourself and get to know God. Know about his love. Know about his plan for you. Know that, like in Psalm 139, he, he, he knitted you together, it says. Do you ever have a, anything knit by somebody? I, I actually used to do some knitting in uh, elementary school. We'd knit red hats for February. Okay. So so you know how that works. So God said, that's how I created you. So it's it's one stitch at a time. I made you. There's not a part of you I didn't make. If, if you gave me a, a knit hat, it, every part of it would have been made by you, and it would be made intentionally by you. So for somebody to say, well, I was made wrong, they're talking about God who doesn't make a mistake. And they really don't know God at that point. And they can say, well, I just don't want to know God or whatever it might be. That's their prerogative. But they're going to be wrong one day. When they die, they'll see that. Because there is a creator of the universe. He created male and female. He made us distinct. He made us different. And when you look at that, you celebrate the differences. You don't say, I have to be uh, if, like this or like that or I can't be happy. No, that's not the way life is. It really is. God made me six foot two, 195 pounds. You know, that's how he made me. He didn't make a mistake. So I have to live in the context of the way God made me. And the more I try and live outside the context, the more injured I am. You know, I played a position that really I should have had another 70 pounds on me. And I only played, I think, I counted once, I'm guessing now, 13 games in four years. The rest of the time I was in the hospital getting fixed. That makes a statement as to you're probably not the right body type for this because every time you run into a big guy, you break. And so, you know, I can't say, well, God didn't make me right. I was in the wrong position at that point. And, um, but that's the position I played. So I think if I could use those analogies, it's not, our country has gotten into a very bad set where, where we start to say, if someone disagrees with me, uh, it's it's a phobia. We're t- well, you're a tall guy, aren't you? Yeah. How tall are you? Six five. Six five. So if I said, oh man, you know, we we're uh, if I wanted to hire you for a job where you had to go down in the sewers, probably um, wouldn't work out very you well. You know, it would be hard. Yes, sir. And I would have to tell you, you're probably not made for that. I really like you, but maybe we need to get you to change the light bulbs instead. You know, I mean, kind of thing. I think that if you started to say I had a tall phobia or something, it'd be like, you know, I'm trying to help you be successful. And to be successful, you live in the context of the way you're created. And if you want to live outside of that, it's not going to work. And that's why I think that's a hard thing for people because if the church says God made you, knit you together and didn't make any mistakes, then you got some people coming in the door saying he did make a mistake, I'm it. Well, 
now you got a problem. And it's not really going to work very well. So if you want to know God, open the Bible and read it. And you get to know God and let him speak to your heart. But I promise you, if you're listening, he didn't make a mistake. He, he, if you're, uh, you were born a male, you are born a female, that's what God intended. And I don't dislike you, by the way, if you disagree. I'm just telling you that's what the scriptures teach. What else are you thinking? I was thinking um, the idea for me to conceal carry in the future sounds something like I most I would like to do. I I do not like watching situations and not doing anything about it. I have I have a hard time doing it. I've always grown up stepping into fights, stopping fights. Like I've always done that, mm-hmm. and so to see someone to cause harm. And then not do something about it, I think it'd be hard and difficult for me to do. But also, if I was just going to go at a guy with a gun with a good attitude, I don't think I'd work out very well. So I think I should carry. But the question that comes up then is, like, should I? Should I take another life? And I have the mindset of that if I am carrying... And, you know, God doesn't want, you know, me to do that. I don't think the situation will ever arise then, you know. I don't think the need for me to draw, to shoot my gun will ever arise. But if the situation does, I think think I'm the vessel at the moment, you know, to call to send another dude to its maker, you know. Well, it's an interesting question. Are you looking for a biblical reference for this? I'm looking for a... Or just an old guy's advice. I'm looking for advice. All right. Because, uh, you know, I'm I'm totally pro-gun. I don't think guns cause a problem. I think people that don't know God and are self I think the problems come from some other area. And you could hurt somebody with a gun or a rake or anything else. that You you can hurt somebody by running a vehicle into them, which has happened. Um, You can hurt somebody by making homemade bombs or whatever it might be. So I think if, if somebody is really uh, bent on hurting and destroying people, I, I'm not sure a gun law or anti-gun law is going to help at all. Now, I'm not saying anything in the Bible at this point. I am saying that I do appreciate, and from the scriptures, it's obvious that you want to be in a position where you can help keep peace and order, where, where people who are innocent can be protected, and the Bible talks about us taking care of, like the orphans and the widows, meaning the people that we could take care of that have needs we should take care of. And so I appreciate that part of your heart. The question you're really asking is, so how do I do it the best? Now, I've gone out, and I actually have a, a handgun, and I thought I would get a concealed carry, and I haven't yet. I, I honestly can't picture myself shooting somebody. So I hesitate from actually getting that concealed carry because I can't picture myself doing it. I can picture myself standing in front of a bullet, going after somebody, being a distraction, a bunch of other things to help somebody. And I've thought through, what would I do if I saw somebody doing something? And and I do. Now, at, at the ministry, both at Silver Birch Ranch and at Nicolai Bible Institute, we have people who are trained to guard the facility. And, and they are people that are, that's what they do. I mean, that's, it's not all they do, but that's part of what they do. And nobody actually knows who they are, but they're there and they're, they're, they're carrying things and, and they are there to protect 
the children who come on our grounds. Now, the bottom line really about that, though, is the reason we've decided to go that route is because we live in a rural area. So that's the route we go. It, it takes a while for other law enforcement to get here, and we want to make sure that the guests who come on these grounds are protected the best that we can protect them. Now, I wouldn't have even talked about that many years ago. I mean, I wouldn't have said anything about it because, to me, several years ago, that would have been goofy uh, to talk about. But in this day and age, it's not goofy. So your 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 thought is good. I, I think people in your generation are going to need to think more and more about that. My, my old man brain goes to, I, I really wish we could get the Bible into people's hearts because if you actually love God and walk with them, you're not going to take a gun and shoot anybody. So there's the answer, you know, for me. So let's get everybody that's uh, young, said like a true camp guy here, let's get all the eight-year-olds to camp and get them to know that God loves them and made them and, and has a plan for them and get them away from wanting to hurt somebody. And let's do the best we can on prevention. And uh, that's something uh, that I think we don't put enough effort into. So, so many times, for example, we try and correct people who are wrong. That takes a lot of money. It takes a lot of skill. It takes a lot of effort rather than prevent the problem in the first place, which basically can be done if we start young enough and have healthy families, have people who aren't confused in life. And the only way to get that way is to get people in the Bible, get them to know who God is and walk with God. So in, in one sense, you know, you're just asking how you can help and if a gun is appropriate. And I really can't answer that because I'm not anti-gun. I'm not God. I'm not the Holy Spirit. I can't direct you personally. I do know that I like your heart. You want to have it so you can protect people. I really think that knowing you, if you really ever had to use it, it would drive you crazy. It, it wouldn't be something that is, is, you'd relish. But in the same respect, if you actually protected people, it would be something. So it's one of those really touchy things. You know, um, I, I think when I went to college, I took one year of ROTC because I had to, and I learned what uh, just wars were, because, again, you asked the question, when do you use force? When do you use, well, again, you're protecting people. You're, you're taking care of those who would be slaughtered, and they're innocent. And, and one of the things throughout Scripture, again, and I go to the widows and orphans or whoever, you take care of the innocent people. You take care of those who can't take care of themselves. And if you can, you do it. So... I think I'd have to let you pray about that and think about it and come up with something where you're convinced this is the way I should do it. I don't think there's a biblical right or wrong answer to that. Um, as you're defending somebody uh, from being murdered from somebody else, that certainly isn't murder on your part. Uh, murder is something that's premeditated and thought through and wanting to hurt somebody and eliminate them. That really isn't what you're doing. That's what you're trying to prevent. And so I think that would be something that you have to answer yourself. For me, for now, I have, a, I do have a, a handgun. I just don't carry it, so I'm not sure why I have one. So I, you know, it's one of those things where I have one, but I'm also a hunter. So it's not that I'm afraid of guns or using guns or anything else. It's, it's that um, I'm just not at the stage even in my life where I'll carry one yet. Uh, and that doesn't mean I won't start tomorrow. It just means today, I'm, I'm in that ballpark however i did go out and learn to use it and use it safely so I, I know all that stuff it's just whether i would carry it on a regular basis or not is another story so does that help at all or is that yeah yeah that helps 
I know, I know, I, and I appreciate your sensitivity because nobody wants to hurt somebody else. If you love God, you walk with God. See, God isn't into punishment. He's into restoration. And, and, and really, that's what he wants to do is restore people back to the way they should be, not punish them because they are who they are. And, and that's where your heart and my heart needs always be. Is there a way to restore somebody? Now, if somebody came in a classroom in a school and they had a gun out, that's not time for restoration. That's time for protection. And, and that's the kind of difference. And maybe that's something you can get into. I mean, how many schools need um, security? And you like kids. Another, that's a service industry kind of thing where you like kids, get trained well, and go in there and help them stay safe. You know, I mean, that would be a very meaningful job for a guy with your mind frame, actually, because you would know how much of a difference you're making just in the safety of the school. So there are things out there that I think uh, would be great jobs for Christians just because they love people. And and you would do that more than just a job. You would do it because you actually care uh, about the kids that are in there because you want to represent God well. So there are things like that out there. So, and that's different because then you're really trained and licensed. My big thing for you would be get trained. Yeah. You're, if you're going to carry anything, make sure you're trained well and you know the do's and don'ts and yeah. you, you, you're very strict about them. Otherwise, you, you get a little lazy with that and you're, you're in trouble. What else are you thinking? Do you think I would be a good person for the military? Like I said earlier, I, you know, like – helping people and I think the military is one way to do it and uh, yeah I have tremendous respect for the veterans I know I think that our military is is extremely critical a strong military to keep a nation strong um, I think Christians in the military are extremely important because of the uh, various opportunities they will have to be in stressful situations where they can radiate the love of Christ and where they can show what it is like to be a believer uh, to those who they're on the front lines with possibly. So I do respect very much the idea of the military in the United States of America. And I think it's a very noble profession. There's a lot of things that you learn there. I think you've already gone through Nicolay Bible Institute. You'd already gone through an intern year. I think the military would help you uh, really shore up your skill set because they would make sure you have a certain skill set. That, that you need. What area of the military would you be interested in? Blowing stuff up. Blowing stuff up. All right. I'm not sure what the technical <laughs> term for that is. I think it's engineer. Okay. Yeah. Uh, blowing stuff up or engineer, whatever that might be. Um, but I do think that, uh, again, the military would allow you to have the proper respect and training for both the weapons and the, and the blowing stuff up stuff. And um, so I, I like the military as far as a career. Um, I am not one who is in the military. I'm a Vietnam uh, era person, and I lived through the draft that our country had. And, and the very uh, last draft, I got a draft number, so that's how old I am. However, my number was high enough where they never drafted me, and then they quit the draft anyway after that. So um, I never went to Vietnam. I have several friends that did. And, uh, and that was a tough war, and there are always tough wars. There are always tough stories. Uh, but I do think that the, the, when I meet a veteran, you know, they're, they're normally, um, not only should we thank them, but they're normally disciplined people who, who have had the skills in life and who have learned to serve. And some people serve uh, a, a whole life in the military and really enjoy the fact that they're protecting 
the people back home to make sure that we could live in the freedoms that we have. And it, this year I'm teaching the, the missions and evangelism class at Nicolay Bible Institute. And one of the things that you learn is you're a missionary no matter where you go. If you're a welder, you're a missionary to the welders. If you're a, if you're in the service, you're a mil, you're a missionary to the military. If you're a, in a grocery clerk, you're a missionary to the grocery store. So it's not that that you can't go anywhere and do anything. Your mind frame is, I am a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's put me in this spot. So you need to know the Bible. You need to know how to walk with God. You need to know how to love people and, and not use them, but, but love them instead. And um, then life can be what it should be. So I would encourage you to check out the military, especially if there's an area that you think would be fun to learn. And, and I do think that uh, you'll be a better man for it. And, and that we would all tip our hats and say thank you for helping protect our country. Because that is how this country is protected, with strength in the military. And knowing your heart, Aiden, I, th- I think you'd make a great military person. Um, if you can get through all the physical stuff. Yeah, I would have to lose a little bit of weight. Well, I'm not sure about that. I'm just know that you know they they make you run places and things. So you gotta. I can, you, I can run. Yeah, just I know you can. I'm just saying, it. It, it, you know, they'll they'll get you in shape. True that. Yeah, and that's not a bad thing, by the way. That, no, that's a good not. thing. I like food though, so it's kind of hard some days. Yeah, well, maybe they can help you with not liking it so much. You know, <laughs> I, I have no idea. I have no idea because I've never been in the military, so you have to talk to people who have been. And uh, like always, I encourage you to talk to people who have experience there in the military. Uh, you know, Dave on our staff, uh, yeah. uh, you know, he was in the Marines and in, um, in Vietnam. Uh, those guys that were in Vietnam, you know, it's a different era. In fact, I have a book about a, uh, my, Sunday, my old Sunday school teacher who wrote, he wrote of, of his experiences in Vietnam. I don't know if you ever read it. I have it. I can lend it to you. It's very interesting because he was a believer as a soldier in Vietnam, and he wrote about his experiences there. So remind me. We'll, we'll get it to you. But uh, he had a great ministry among the other soldiers. You know, and you can. So what else is going on? Well, got a joke. You want to hear a joke? Sure. What's the scariest plant in the forest? This, the scariest? Um, I don't know what. Bamboo. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Let me ask you some questions. Can I do that? Um, or maybe I won't. Maybe I will ask you questions in our next segment rather than this segment. In, in between, I'd like to uh, continue to invite people to check out the Nicolay Bible Institute website. Uh, would you recommend that for people? Yes. Yes, I would. And it takes a year of your life where you learn the Bible and you learn how to serve people. And that's really important to be able to do. Serving people is not something you do automatically. You learn it. The Bible is not something you know automatically. You learn it. But if you're not going to be intentional about it, you're not going to learn it. So I want to invite you to go to Nicolay Bible Institute. That's one word, N-I-C-O-L-E-T, Bible Institute, NicolayBibleInstitute.org. And you can uh, take a look at the catalog, see what the offerings are. And if you're someone who's graduated from high school till about 30 years old, you could still sign up for this. So I'm Dave Wager, and I'm glad you took some time to listen to Younger Older today. Coming to you from the studios here at Silver Birch Ranch, and we're actually on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. We're finishing our 56th summer of ministry to children from all over the country. So we appreciate the opportunities and those who have supported us through the years. 
We encourage all of you to pray for us as we continue to press on into the year to come. Goodbye for now.